just talking to people. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's, it's conversations, you know, and I'm good at that. You know, I have a natural gift from God to be able to communicate with people and relate to people. Um, and I learned so much from talking to people. The best thing that I ever learned in life is if you listen more than you speak, you'll always be able to understand somebody. And one thing that I learned is that we are much more alike than we are different. We just make that more complicated. Welcome everybody to another edition, another episode to the Lilia Purpose Podcast. I'm your host, John Morgan Jr. Um, and before we get into who our guest is for today, um, I want to send a special shout out um, and condolences to, you know, all of our essential workers, you know, everybody who's been affected um, to coronavirus and COVID-19, um, to the individuals who have passed away. Our condolences and prayers go out to their family and friends of those individuals. Um, and just everybody, you know, dur during this time, we want to give a special shout out um, and, and prayer to, to everyone being affected um, by this time. I also want to give a special shout out to everybody who's been supporting the podcast on YouTube. Um, all of our, uh, well, the first eight episodes, or excuse me, episode two through eight is available on YouTube. And the first eight episodes are available on audio platforms with Apple, uh, Spotify, and Anchor. So please go there to, to the audio and to YouTube, subscribe and like to the channel, um, as well as give me your feedback and your comments on, on the uh, on the videos and tell me what you like, give me all your, your criticism and feedback. I'm interested in, you know, to know what y'all what y'all think and what y'all see uh, in the podcast. Um, so without, without further ado, let's go ahead and introduce, you know, who our guests um, is for the day. Um, we have Mr. LeVar Jacobs. He is a husband, a father, a full-time employee, and he's also an entrepreneur, and he is the founder and CEO of Not Just October, which is a breast cancer awareness organization right here in the city of Akron, Ohio. LeVar, what's happening with you, bro? Uh, not much, not much. Just, you know, navigating through these times just like everybody else. Right, right, absolutely. How, you, how your family and everybody doing during this time, man? Everybody's doing well. Um, well, like you said, I'm a full-time employee. I actually drive the bus for Metro, and mm -hmm. my wife is a nurse, so we're both on the front line, like, uh, really dealing with this stuff pretty much every day, dealing with the public, and our two children, they're doing well. Just um, our 11-year-old is really getting used to homeschooling right now. Can't go to school, can't really see his friends, but, you know, we're making it through. Bless yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so y'all really, y'all really are the essential workers right now. You, you and you and Deontre, man. So you know, much, much respect and appreciation to y'all for going out there. I'm still, I'm still working, but I'm able to work virtually and you know through the phone and things like that. So y'all doing, you know, you guys are actually outside, man. So you know, much, much respect and appreciation for what y'all got going on. Appreciate um, it. So you know, you, you know, you know how this goes, man. I, I really want to get you know a, a backstory of of who you are. You know, I want to get into you know the breast cancer awareness organization and everything like that. Um, but prior to even us getting into that, man, I want to start at the very beginning. Tell me, you know, what it was like early for, for LeVar, man. What was what was life like, you know, for, for little LeVar in the early 2000s, those late 90s, man? What, what was it like coming up here, being a kid here in this city? Well, um, little LeVar was spoiled. You know, <laughs> I grew up with my mom and my dad, same household. My mom, my dad, my brother, you know, real loving household. <laughs> my parents really took great care of us. You know, when the time was right, they moved us out to the suburbs. We moved out to Copley, Ohio, um, went to Copley schools. My parents just bought everything that we wanted. As long as we acted right and did what we wanted to do, very spoiled. My mom and dad um, worked real hard to provide for us and give us a good life. So 
that was important to them and I feel like that molded me. So I appreciate that. But my childhood, I just like going outside. I used to play with these things called pogs. You remember pogs? Pogs, oh, yeah, I remember yeah. pogs. Pogs <laughs> yeah. was weird. <laughs> yeah, I used to have all the pogs. The big tubes. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And yeah. the, the metal ones, them was the ones that go on top. Yeah. That's a fact. That's a fact. <laughs> I, I'd be uh, outside playing with my friends. You know, we had a basketball hoop, so all the neighborhood kids would come over, uh, ride my bike. Eventually got a moped, ride my moped over my friends' houses. Like it was it was just fun. I had a real, really fun childhood. Damn, you took me back with pogs, beanie babies, Tamagotchi. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that was a different time, bro. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, had that's a gigapet. What is a yeah, gigapet? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's funny, man. I ain't heard nobody mention pogs in a long time. That's 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 pretty funny, man. It's like everybody forgot. Like we should bring them back. Like yeah. pogs was a real thing, man. If you had like the whole tube of pogs, man, you was the man, man. <laughs> right. Crazy. Yeah, that's 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 crazy. So I know um you and I had actually known each other for some time, man, for years. You know, we actually went to the same middle school and the same high school. Um, talk to me a little bit about, you know, just being in, in, in Copley, because also like like uh, like myself, you know, we didn't necessarily start in Copley, um, you know, came from Akron and then moved to to the, you know, the suburb of Copley. For those who do not know, Copley is actually a suburb like 10, 15 minutes outside of the city of Akron. Um, it's a predominantly white area, predominantly white schools. Um, so just talk to me a little bit about like your experience at Copley, um, Copley High School, and what you think like, you know, with some of like your biggest just trials and tribulations and like, you know, some of the things that you really learned along the way from, from being there. Well, um, like, as easy as I can put it, I went from going to a school where I went to um, Erie Island Elementary, a school where there's probably five white people at the school. Mm -hmm. Then when we moved to Copley, I went to Arrowhead Elementary where there's only five black people at the school. Like it's a whole 360, uh, just a culture shock. Like I was just so in awe of everything. Like it was, it was confusing, but I ended up being able to make friends and things like that. But I did have my issues, you know, being called a nigger for the first time, things like that. And I'm just like, wow, like. This really exists, but overall, it really worked out for me. I feel like going to Copley gave me the ability to, you know, deal with people from different walks of life, whether it's, you know, rich people, um, people that come from, you know, um, different backgrounds outside of the United States. It was very cultured at Copley, and I love it. it. It really made me who I am because at this point, I can walk into any room. I can start a conversation with anyone, you know, and I, I really thank my parents for that, for putting me in that position because I feel like going to Copley schools made me who I am today. Mm. And I, I really enjoyed it. I met some of my lifelong friends. Like I've known you for so long, you know, like Marlon that was on your podcast, you know, my other friends, we got a lot of mutual friends. So right. <laughs> So, um, no, I, I love I love the experience that I had, and I feel like it, it made a deep impact on my life. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it's interesting, man, because I've had, again, I've had a few different people, you know, who all went to Copley, and it really wasn't even an intentional thing. But, you know, I've had, I think, I want to say maybe four four people all together, you know, who all, who all went to Copley at different times, really. Um, so it's just interesting to hear everybody's experience, you know, because one thing about it is we've all had different experiences. Mine is kind of similar to yours for the most part. Um, for the for the most part, 
I think that I had a fairly, you know, cool experience at Copley. Now, granted, you know, I was an athlete. You know, I had a lot of friends. Like, you know, people always took to me. I had a pretty good personality, you know what I'm saying? So it wasn't hard for me to make good relationships and friends and things like that. Um, but one thing that I am, you know, aware of is that the differences between when I went to Copley and and granted, when I my elementary school, I went to a private elementary school, so I was mm-hmm. in school with with white people per se. Um, but when I went to Copley, it was definitely a culture shock from an economic standpoint. You know what I'm saying? When, right, I, right. when I went to Chapel Hill in the in the city, like it was still a little bit different. You know, from you know parents there being you know maybe plumbers or trade. You know, they had trades and things like that, as opposed to Copley, you know, individuals, parents may have owned businesses and things like that. It was, it was just a different way of life. Mm-hmm. Um, but that in itself was just kind of culture shock for me. But overall, you know, I had a pretty decent experience. Um, I'm able to reflect back on some things now. Like, yo, that was some racist shit, whether I didn't know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, then, but now I am now. But for the most part, I had a pretty good experience. So it was just, you know, it's interesting to me to just hear different people's um, you know, experience of what that what what that was like being there. Um, talk to me a little bit about you you know your earliest influences of of an entrepreneur. You know, just business owners or you know people just kind of taking matters into their own hands. Because with this platform that we have here, you know, it's really important for me to just try to highlight entrepreneurs and people who have their own business. Um, I am you know on the verge of you know becoming a full time entrepreneur. You know, having my own business. So I always want to hear those individual stories. So just talk to me a little. Mm-hmm. Bit your earliest experiences with entrepreneurship and, you know, people who may have influenced you? Well, um, like early, just a ride with my dad, going to see my uncles and things like that. My uncles had businesses. Like I remember my dad had to get his windows tinted. Um, my uncle Curtis owned a window tinting business okay. or not. Actually, that was actually my uncle Eric. And then mm-hmm. my uncle Curtis, he did like landscaping and stuff. So he would come over to the house and do the landscaping, things like that at our house and then later at my brother's house when my brother grew up, you know what I mean? So just seeing them and like my mom had an entrepreneur spirit. Like I remember my mom, she was a very crafty. Mm -hmm. So we would go to um, Joanne Fabric on the weekends. Like I used to dread this trip, bro. Like, (laughs) you know, she'll wake wake me up around nine o'clock. Like, okay, we're about to go to Joanne's, man. She would buy all this stuff to make quilts. She would make like beaded bracelets, yeah. and um, eventually later she uh, there was a place called Hobby Lobby, mm-hmm. and it was it was it was um, actually it's called like the Hobby Shop or something like that. It was in Hudson, but what they did was everybody could buy a space, so you oh, pay wow. for you pay for your space. So my mom she ended up getting her own space. It was called Kim's Creations, where she okay, would sell her. Yeah, so she would sell her uh, beaded bracelets. Man, my mom probably had like a like a was it like a, a cubicle, almost kind of like Northside Market is today, like mm-hmm. like it's in the overall commercial. Yeah. Okay, okay, go yeah, ahead, man. So my mom, she was just real deep into these beaded bracelets. Man, my mom probably had a million dollars worth of beads, bro. <laughs> <laughs> like when the Swarovski's crystals first came out, like she'd go buy it. Oh, that was like five dollars a bead. Like and she oh, was go crazy on them, man. Yeah. Like she. She really enjoyed that stuff. And that kind of made me crafty because I was always with her. So, you know, yeah. just helping her. I, I shoot, I knew I knew how to cross stitch. I don't know if you even know what that is, but um, oh, no, I don't know what cross stitching 
And then it's like <laughs> it's like a little uh, needle, and then you like draw a picture. Like you make these X's in different colors to draw okay. a picture. I do, I do know what you're talking about. I do know what you're talking about. Okay. Yeah, so I, I knew how to do that. Just sitting around with my mom and uh, watching her, you know, she always wanted to be her own boss and figure out exactly how she was going to make her way in the world. Even though she was employed, like, you know, my mom worked almost 30 years in her job. Mm-hmm. So uh, she always went to work, but she also had aspirations. And then, you know, as I got a little older, it was time my brother really um, put the entrepreneur spirit in me, just seeing him and what he wanted to do. So he's like, okay, we got with my friend Marlon and started selling these North Face jackets on eBay, just trying to, you know, navigate through it. Nobody Mm -hmm. exactly gave us the blueprint. So we all just trying to do it, you know, got our eBay account selling those, trying to stay organized, got a little Mm -hmm. ledger. Right. You know? <laughs> and uh, Marlon, he brought that to to the table. Marlon, he always was an entrepreneur, man. Yeah. Day yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You had him on the podcast. I'm sure you've heard about all his entrepreneur. <laughs> 100%. I mean, it's, it's, it's funny, man, because he is, and that's why I asked the question is because, like, he is one of the individuals that I know, like, he comes from an entrepreneur family. Like, you know, they always have had hustler spirits. Ever since I can remember, you know, not even just him, but his parents, his uncle, his aunts, his uncles, his cousins, like a lot of them come come from that, you know, walk of life in that tree. Um, and that and that wasn't really my experience. Like, you know what I'm saying? My now my dad, you know, he had, he had his hustle hand in the streets and doing stuff like that or whatnot. But as far as just seeing like legitimate business owners, individuals that I knew, and I could point and say, all right, my uncle has this business, or I know this person, that really wasn't my experience. Um, you know, but becoming a new father, you know, recently, like it's very important for me to show, you know, my son entrepreneurship, you know, not necessarily devaluing the nine to five life or, you know, working, because I think there's a lot of value in that as well. But I think there's even more value in having your own, you know, there's a lot more freedom that comes with, you know, mm-hmm. own things like that, you know, so it's just interesting to, you know, for me to get that type of like, you know, insight into individuals. And I know, you know, for you, man, some of your influences even came from artists, like you know what I'm saying, because you ended up becoming, you know, getting into getting into music, and you know had a had a had a a, a semi-stellar rap career at one point in time. And so talk talk to me a little bit about like you know just artistry and like you know the the influence of of how that influenced you, you know, <clears throat> a musician and, and entrepreneur, how that kind of like just f- fed together. Well, um, just growing up listening to rap music and watching the videos and everything. You know, I think that's one of the first things a lot of kids want to be as a rapper. And my brother was rapping. You know, I, 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 I followed in my brother's I footsteps. I wanted to be in Bone back in the 90s. I ain't going to lie. <laughs> yeah, you do look like a crazy Bone. No. <laughs> but no, nah, so uh, just follow. No, actually, Lazy Bone. That's you. Mm-hmm. Lazy Bone. <laughs> Correct that. But I had a fro like Lazy, too. I really, <laughs> really want to be busy, but I look more like Lazy, or, uh, lazy Bone. So it's all good. <laughs> But no, nah, just uh, I followed in my brother's footsteps with a lot of things. Like, you know what I'm saying? My brother was my role model growing up, man. Like, every he had everything. You know, he dressed good, looked good. Girls liked him. You know, he had he had it all. Right. So, you know what I'm saying? My brother rapping, you know, I'm listening to rap. Okay, I'm about to start writing some raps. Why not? Uh, right. A lot of people make fun of me because, <clears throat> um, like, I've been rapping since, like, sixth, fifth grade. You know what I'm saying? And I say the same thing. Like, my name is LeVar. And I'm a star riding in a car, you know, <laughs> like if I see some people, they ever recite that to me, like to this day. Mm-hmm. But um, 
my friend Don, he, he came over to my house one day and he explained yeah. to me that him and his brother had started a record label and can I go over and audition for them? You know what I'm saying? Do I want to be down? I'm like, shoot, I ain't doing nothing else. Yeah, I want to be down. What's up? So I went over there, rap for everybody. You know, they was loving it because, you know, I'm kind of good at freestyle. I'm kind of good at that, I will say. So, you know, I went over there and rapped for them. And after that, we started um, doing shows. And once again, like, we didn't have a blueprint for this. So we're just, you know, young guys trying to stay organized, trying to figure it all out. But the only thing about my rap group is everybody was just so ghetto. Like, <laughs> every single time we went to a show, it ended in, ended in a fight. <laughs> like, it, was, it was hard to get far. We, we, we're known for, oh, yeah, they coming. It's about to be a riot. Like, <laughs> but um, the rapping, that took me to the remix, which is a store that was on Copley Road that sold mixtapes. You know, this is when mixtapes were popping. My friend Tommy Cherry, he would get the mixtapes from Cleveland, or actually not Cleveland, from New York, and sell them here. So he had the brand new Diplomats mixtape as soon as it came out, like that week. Right. You know, he had it going on. And he came to me one day, and he's like, man, we should start throwing parties. There really don't be nothing to do in the city. We can go to the club, find out how much it is to rent it. Let's start throwing parties. I'm like, okay. Let's figure this out. He said, we got to get a team. He said, man, we got to get a team behind us. Let's find some people that want to be down. And that's when I figured out that everybody wants to be a part of something. Like, yeah. every, that's, everybody wants to be a part of something. And when you yeah. have a team, you know, you, the sky's the limit. So we started throwing parties. But these parties weren't regular parties, man. Like, <laughs> at first it was regular, but, man, it, we took off in the city. I'm telling you, like, Let's say the club opens at 10 o'clock. Man, it was a line down the street at 9 o'clock in the freezing cold. The club packed. I remember them days. (laughs) Like, dog, capacity by 11. Like, every Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Man, we got it going on, man. Me, Tommy Cherry, my good friend Rob, Antoine Samples, these Mm -hmm. guys all instilled certain things into me when it came to marketing, promotions, getting a team, you know? So that really helped me. It's like every single step that I went through in life, certain things have helped me to where I am now as I continue mm-hmm. going. And those guys were all influential. One of the, one of the things that seems to be kind of like just a, a ongoing theme for what, for what just from listening to you is number one is just taking risks and like just facing fear and like, you know what I'm saying? Not really worrying about the outcome. And I think that's like an important foundational piece for you know, any entrepreneur, man, is that like, you know, sometimes you got to just jump, jump off the porch. Like you got to just jump in the game. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. What, what is, you know, from, from the party promotion to being a rapper, you know, although you were influenced, like it's like a lot of like guts and like gumption to like, you know what I'm saying? Say, you know what, I'm going to do this no matter what anybody says, like, this is what I want to do. So I'm going to, you know, whether it works or not, just having the, the wherewithal to say, I'm going to do it takes a lot right. of like, you know, courage to, to, to do, man. Um, where were some of those? Where, where were some of those early parties at? I, I think I remember some of them being. Was was these at the Vertigo? Yeah, the Vertigo and the Lounge. Okay, so, the, so the, was it the? Okay, so the Lounge and the Vertigo was in the same spot. That's in the, the same building. Downtown, yeah. Downtown. Okay. okay. Man, okay. at the Lounge, we had the best party in Akron history. I put oh, that on everything. Election, right? Huh? Uh, not, well, it was election night. Mm, uh, yeah. 
Every every time Obama won a state, everybody got a free shot of alcohol. <laughs> like, it was packed to capacity. It was fun, but it ended up with like a shooting that night. It's just people are so it's violent bad. sometimes, man. <laughs> it's like violence ruins a lot of things. What you what you think was like, you know, if you had to kind of like, you know, put it into a few different like values and, and words to describe, you know, what you learned the most from from all those experiences from, from being a rapper. Um, the party, the promotions, and things like that. What you think you learn the most? Like, what do you take take with that? What 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 do you what do you take with you today? Um, promoting, marketing, building a team. You know what I'm saying? Um, I think I have like a uncanny ability of making people like something. Like, mm-hmm. even if it's something that they're not really into, I think I have good marketing ability to make people like something. So. Mm-hmm. I took that to, you know, the business that I do now, you know, but I'm using my powers for good. You know, I'm trying to change the world. But mm-hmm. all those people that I named earlier, they all gave me something in life. They all explained something to me to help me be who I am now. So I appreciate all of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and so and, and, and fast forwarding it just a little bit, you know, at, at some point in time, you know, with throwing the, the, the parties and everything like that, um, your, your mother does pass away. Um, can you just speak on, you know, a little bit of like, you know, that, that time period and that just overall experience and that, how that ultimately, you know, shaped you to, you know, doing what you're doing today? Well, um, when my mom passed away, I was still throwing parties at the time. And it was funny, like my mom was living in a nursing home and like I had flyers for my parties and she would like always show the flyers for my parties to other people that were living in the nursing home with her. Like she was just a very proud mom. She really for you. Yeah, like she was rooting for me, you know what I mean? So she was always there for me. And I feel like when she did pass away, I just got too deep into the parties. I started partying. Like before, you know, Tommy and Antoine, Rob, they all like explain like you a boss, like this is a business. But at this point now I'm partying. I'm I'm drinking too much. I'm I'm just doing too much. I'm I'm getting into altercations like almost every party because I probably just got a lot of anger built up. You know, um, my mom passing away. It just had a, a deep influence on me. She was my everything. She's my number one, and I really appreciated that I had good friends around me to help me. You know, tell me that I'm wrong. You need people in your life to hold you accountable. You know, I, ha- I always have friends that are like, man, Lavar, what are you doing? Like, are you tripping, bro? Or, you know, just tell me I'm, I'm doing too much. So mm-hmm. that really helped me get through it because if I didn't have the right people in my life at this time, I probably could be incarcerated or worse than that in jail, you know, drinking and driving, just being reckless, doing too much, all of that. I got I got past all of that. Thank God, through the grace of God, good people in my life. My mom looking down on me. My dad telling me, "Well, you better go to work. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you better go to work. Ain't no, hey, I know you having these parties and stuff, but you can't depend on that. You got to go to work." My dad always yeah. told me, "You got to provide for yourself. You know, when you have a family, provide for your family. You know, you can't really, you can't chance it. You, you got to really make it happen. You know, it's always cool to be an entrepreneur, but." You got to really have something. If the backup plan, whatever you want to call it. My dad was always big on that. But I probably needed some type of therapy after my mom passed away. But, you know, I'm like 23 years old. Nobody's thinking about going to therapy. 
And at this point, even 23-year-olds really aren't thinking about therapy. That's and that was, and that, was a, that was a different time also. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Just reckless, man. Just doing too much. Thank God oh. I made it through. Looking, looking, because I know you, you literally just said it, man. You just said, you know, looking back on it, you know, after she passed, man, you probably, you know, feel like you probably, you know, could have benefited from some form of therapy. Do you think, looking back on it today, do you think that you probably was, you know, suffering from some form of, like, depression or anxiety or just something? Um, Probably, probably some sort of depression. Because yeah. um, me and my mom, we were best friends. And... Mm-hmm. You know, all the way to the end. I used to call off work. People were like, man, you you need to go to work. I'm like, no, mm-hmm. no. Nah, nah. My mom is in this nursing home. I'm about to go just chill with my mom all day. You know, watch TV with her because, you know, I didn't know how long that was gonna last. I remember somebody told me like, man, your mom could be in a nursing home for forever. Like, mm-hmm. and, you know, you you could possibly lose your job. Somebody told mm-hmm. me that in in December, and mm-hmm. my mom passed away in February. I'm like, so I'm happy with the time that we spent together. I put all my time with her. That's why mm-hmm. I have no regrets. We were we were A1 to the very end, even in the room when she took her last breath. Mm-hmm. So I have no regrets. That's one thing that I'm super happy about, the fact that I know that I did everything that I could for my mom. You know, if I was more educated, I probably could have did more on the medical side. But just being there for her and being a good son, I know I was that, you know, and she was a great mom. She's looked, she looked out for me all the time, always there for me, supporting me. So, you know, that was everything to me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a dope story, you know, first, first and foremost, man. And, you know, um, I'm sure your mom is up in heaven right now, man, promoting for you just as, just as hard, you know what I'm saying? So I, I appreciate you, you know, sharing, sharing that story, um, you know, and sharing that, you know, uh, with the viewers and everybody uh, who's going to watch this. Um, so ultimately, man, you know, you ended up taking, you know, this devastating moment, like you said, and you let it, you know, strengthen you, you know, to ultimately come to the point where you say, you know what, I'm going to do something in my mom's legacy, you know, in, in remembrance of my mother. How did the idea of just like starting a nonprofit, a breast nonprofit, <clears throat> the name, like how did all of that even like come to fruition? Because again, we've been friends for some time, man. Like I remember when your mother passed, I remember, you know, having early conversations um, when you were talking about not just October, but I don't really remember, like, you know, when the idea came about, like, you know, why, why the not, 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 not for profit? Why naming it not just October? How did all of those things kind of come about? Well, um, pretty much right after my mom passed away, I had the idea of starting a nonprofit organization, but my life just wasn't in the right place. And, you know, I wasn't as, thirsty for knowledge and education at the time. So mm-hmm. I kind of just put it on the back burner. But mm-hmm. I always had the idea. Then um, I met my wife. And when I met my wife, you know, she was just so supportive of me. I could tell her my visions and my dreams and what I want to do. And she was 100% supportive of me. Like, do it, honey. I, I know you can do it. Just do it. <clears throat> and I wasn't in well, I was actually involved with a cleaning company that um, I had started with my brother, but I was kind of phasing out of that. My, I think that was more of my brother's dream than it was mm-hmm. mine. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, um, I ended up stepping down from that. I think my brother still does that at this day, but uh, it just wasn't my thing. So, you know, but one good thing came from that. I met my wife. She stalked me down, faking like she wanted to get a job there and all this stuff. <laughs> and uh, we had some conversations and, 
you know, we started hanging out and we've been hanging out ever since. You know, that's mm-hmm. my rock. That's A1 mm-hmm. right there. I love my wife. But like just talking to her and explaining what I wanted to do, she <clears> said, <throat> go for it, honey. So now I'm at work. I'm driving the bus every day and I'm just thinking, okay, I'm going to start a nonprofit organization. What do I want to name it? So initially I was thinking about naming it more than October because October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. So I had the idea. I go to the end of the line. I Google it. Google is like my best friend. Like I'm Googling like, okay, more than October. That's already a site, but it's not about breast cancer. So I'm like, okay, um, not just October because I want this to be an all year thing, not just October. So mm-hmm. that, and it's available. The site is available. The name is available. Nobody's saying anything about it. You know what I mean? So I'm like, okay, that's it. Not just October. Then I try um figure out exactly how to start it. I talked to one of my friends, his name was Demetrius Brown. Um, he told me about a lady named Lakeisha Barclay. Um, SOS 1040, shout out to them. They're amazing, you know, do my taxes and everything. So I talked to Lakeisha and she told me that she could set everything up for me. Um, she gave me a price. One of the most amazing, intelligent women that I met along the way. So she gave me the price and everything. She was very lenient with me because I didn't have much money. <laughs> like I had just got married. You know, you know how that wedding stuff is. So hundred percent, hundred percent. So I didn't, I didn't have much money, but she was lenient with me. You know, I think she put me on a payment plan. Just mm-hmm. got everything started, and I told myself if I do this, this will be the last business that I start. Which mm-hmm. that wasn't too accurate because I'm definitely going to end up starting another business, but. Mm-hmm. Basically, I just meant like I'm not gonna continue to just start and stop things. I would this if I start this, it's gonna go forever, whether people donate or I gotta spend my own money for the rest of my life, and hopefully after my life is over. But um, so got all the information. Lakeisha set everything up for me. Now it's time to start. I go I go straight to Instagram. Instagram was the beginning of not just October, and. Instagram was showing me mad love because people knew how I felt about breast cancer because I used to go to the walks. You know what I'm saying? Everybody knows that my mom passed away from breast cancer. So I was getting a lot of support. Um, I started making t-shirts for when we go to the walks. So so prior to you actually like launching and starting, not just October, you were still invested into like, you know, just breast cancer awareness and things like that. Um, Mm -hmm. Doing things in in support of women, you know, who have, uh, who had breast cancer. Yeah, definitely. I used to go to the walks and everything, but I just felt like I could do more. You know, right. going going to the walk, donating to Susan G. Coleman or the American Cancer Society, that was fine. But I felt like my efforts could be better if I really lock in. I have a lot of ideas. I'm pretty smart when it comes to business. I feel like I can get to the point where I'm helping millions of women, and I'm not going to be able to do that if all I do is go to their walks. So. Mm-hmm. I had to do my own thing. It was it was like inevitable. I feel like my mom just blessed me with the idea, blessed me with the knowledge, and let's let's make it happen. So tell I me had this. To. T- tell me this. I'm sorry. Um, t- tell me this. How does one go about setting up a nonprofit? Because there's going to be somebody who watches this, um, and you know they have gone through some form of tragedy, some form of loss, some t- form of grief, and they're going to want to you know follow in your footsteps in some type of way. Like, what do you think is the best way for somebody to get started in starting their nonprofit, if you had to say, follow these three to five steps, what would you tell them that they had to do? More than likely, I'd probably just tell them, call Lakeisha Barclay, call Lakeisha Barclay, call, no, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, 
Well, that's what I did. I call it Keisha. But um, there's several resources online. I'm actually learning because I'm in the process of trying to create a new business. But um, you go to the um, the uh, is it the Secretary of State's website. That's uh, Frank LaRose right now. You go to his website and you can search business names. Mm-hmm. And if the business name is available, mm-hmm. then it'll give you the option to start the business. And you can go through, there's just several steps online and you can choose what type of business you want to start. They'll tell you how much it is, what you need to do. And it's, it's very helpful. And you can go on like YouTube and things like that. Like one thing about 2020 is everything is easy. If you have the time, you can figure it out. If you have the time to just go on YouTube or Google, self-educate yourself, you can figure it out. Me, I'm not the most self-educating type person. Like, we talk mm-hmm. about this all the time. You watch, mm-hmm. like, 20 podcasts a day. I'm listening right. to music. I'm chilling. Right. Mm-hmm. But, you know, so I kind of get into this thing where sometimes I pay people to do stuff. But I have saved money by self-educating some and learning things on my own. That does save money for sure. So just um, you can start on that Secretary of State website and go from there. If you have any questions, my contact information will be on here. Please call me and I'll do everything that I can do to help you. Yeah, I think I think I think the biggest thing that would to take from what you just said is is like to take the action. You know, um, like you said, it's 2020. For the most part, everything is pretty much accessible. Um, at your dis- disposal, whether it's through your phone and internet, like YouTube, like I have, I consider myself to be an alumni of YouTube University. I've learned so much, you know, through YouTube, mm-hmm. whether that's, you know, learning how to become a real estate investor, like how to start a podcast, you know, just learning how to, you know, one time I learned how to put like a, uh, a uh, garbage disposal up, you know, from, you know, watching YouTube. But the, the biggest thing to take from what you're saying, man, I believe it's just, ultimately just take taking the action um and that's the that's the goal in you know accomplishing anything like sometimes we have to push past that initial fear and that initial hesitation to take the action you know that's that's the most important thing i think you know um with what you were saying there talk to me about like what the day-to-day um looks like for, for not just october as far as just like you know who you helping how you helping them um what what does it look like on, on the day-to-day well um as now just October grew, I've been blessed to have the ability to actually do services for women free of charge that are currently battling. Mm-hmm. So day to day, not just October, um, I might get a phone, a random number might call me. It'll be a woman that says, hello. I'll be like, hi, this is LeVar Jacobs. How may I help you? And then she'll explain that she's currently in treatment um, mm-hmm. and she needs her grass cut or snow plow. And I say, well, you know, I talked to her about her treatment and stuff, just, um, you know, getting, not even getting any information, just really just being an ear, you know, um, learning about who she is, what she has going on, just letting her know that I'm here for, like, and then. And they, con- they contact, they di- directly contact you. Yes, yes. Yeah. Like, that. my number is everywhere. I'm easily accessible. Yeah, that's so, dope. Um, they call my phone. Um, we talk. And then right after we get off the phone, I, I send their address to whoever's doing the service, like, and find out when they can go do it. And, or I connect those two and I make sure they get it done. And then whoever does the service bills, not just October. So we go through that all day. Let's say I'm on Facebook or a woman that I know, um, let's say she just had to get a mammogram and, you know, the test results might have not been ideal. I might send her some flowers. So 
Pam's Posies. That's where I buy the majority of my flowers from. It's in Montrose. I'm calling mm-hmm. there probably like three or four times a week, sending flowers to people. Um, I'm trying to decide what, what our next t-shirts are going to look like. Um, I, I'm blessed to work with a woman named Trinity. She makes all of our um, apparel right now. Um, and she does a real good job, gives me a good price because I, I buy stuff in bulk. Just um, really doing as much as I can to spread the message. And I'm very active on social media all day. Is it, um, is it obvious, obviously we know it's breast cancer focused, but have you ever um, dealt with any women or any, any other families dealing with any other forms of cancer or do you strictly try to um, specify uh, and be intentional about women with breast cancer? Well, I'm, yeah, I'm very intentional about women with breast cancer, but if someone happens to call me, because sometimes people get confused, they might see the flyer and only see the word cancer. Mm-hmm. And I have a huge heart. Like, that's one thing about me. And it's very hard for me to say no. So uh, I've sent people um, to get their grass cut, women who are dealing with other types of cancer. Like yesterday, someone just called me and said, hey, I hear you're cutting grass. I'm like, uh yeah, for women with breast cancer, it's a nonprofit organization. She said, "Oh no, she, it was funny." She said, "Oh no, don't put that on me. I got, I got sinuses. I ain't got no breast cancer." I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, okay, ma'am. And um, I, I put her in contact with somebody to get her grass cut, and I, uh, I paid half of it. So just um, trying to help people as much as I can, because I, I, like I said, I have a big heart, and I just love helping people. Because you never know, you know, what someone's going through and the smallest thing can make them happy because I've been there before. I've been down before and someone did something small for me and changed my whole day or changed my whole week. So I try and do that. Yeah, man, I think that's that's that's, that's super dope, man. I think that it's uh actually I, I know that, you know, the importance of providing service, you know what I'm saying? Like being able to help people um, and solve people's problems like that goes a long way. Like it, it's 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 took me a long time to kind of like understand that concept of, you know, when you give to other people, you ultimately feel much better about yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, I think sometimes we get caught up in the rat race and, you know, we get caught up in our own stuff, our own traumas and things like that to where we automatically go into self-preservation mode. And so we only thinking about, we only have tunnel vision, only think about ourselves. Um, but right. out of 10, anytime I've helped somebody, you know, um, whether I wanted to or not, anytime I've done that, it always came back tenfold, man. So I, I really appreciate the message of service that you that you're talking about uh, right now as it relates to your you know your business and, and and nonprofit. Talk to me about about some of the misconceptions that people may have about uh, just not nonprofits as as a whole. People may even have just of you as a as a whole, you know, and and your, and your business. Just talk to me about some of the misconceptions that you think um, that you want to kind of like dispel a little bit. Well. Um... Overall, I feel like um, one thing about the Black community is, unfortunately, the African-American community is very skeptical. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's just based upon how we were raised and the things that we've dealt with as a culture over the years. There's always like, hmm, is that really, that? that's what it is? Or, you know what I mean? So I've dealt with things. People think that you know, not just October gets millions of dollars in donations and, you know, I spend these millions of dollars to live a luxurious life and, you know, I'm not really helping people. And I've heard so many things about myself, but mm-hmm. no, that's not it. Um, I go to work every day, but, and so does my wife, but um, 
you can ask around, you can see the things that we've done for women. Like I'm always doing something and um, I don't get paid a salary from not just October yet. You know, eventually, you know, it is a nonprofit organization, but people can get paid a salary from them. And one day, you know, I think that that might be in the future for me, but it'll be a while because I want Not Just October to get to a certain level before I take anything. So I've never taken a dollar from Not Just October and I really don't plan on it until a little bit in the future. I really wanted to get, you know, where my vision is. I want, I have, I have large aspirations for Not Just October. So people that think things like that about any nonprofit organization, it's just not good. You know, I hear about churches all the time, like, okay, um, pastors get paid too much. But this man is spending countless hours during the week, you know, doing all this church stuff. He deserves to get paid for his work, right? But I, don't, I think when when people hear the word nonprofit, they think nobody's supposed to profit, you know? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, one day I'll probably have a salary from not just October. I don't know when, but I'm just trying to take not just October to another level. I want to help millions of women. That's yeah. my thing. Like how McDonald's has on their sign, like, over a billion served like when we have our uh, location i wanted to say over a million women helped that's that's what i want to do that's what i'm yeah that's that's dope man and and you're right man Uh, unfortunately you know um us us as african americans man in the community man we do have a um we we can have a a a negative light on on others you know who represent our same community man And, and, and unfortunately a lot of that stems from just you know our overall history of oppression um, it's not even necessarily personal against that individual. And that's that's one thing that I try to like dispel, you know, when I talk to people and I have, and I hear those type of, you know, comments, people may talk about the church or these other businesses or yada, yada, yada. And, you know, my thing is always to try to not be judgmental, but I, I also understand, you know, where their frustration may be coming due to their own stuff. But again, I know it comes from the, you know, I know a lot of it is coming from the history of just oppression and like, you know, everything that com- comes from with that, man, because when you have been stripped of so much, you know, it's, it's going to be hard for you to see the value in somebody else when you have been, you know, um, when, when you, when the, de- the car has been st- stacked against you, so, so to speak, mm-hmm. you, but it's still good to hear you, you know, you, you, you speak on these things. Um, ultimately, man, you know, not just October, has blossomed into like becoming this beautiful organization where you've got a lot of support um, nationally. Um, I know you got the thing with the Steve Harvey show and, you know, you got invited um, to do something, you know, on basketball wise in the show. Can you kind of speak on those two experiences? Well, um, to speak on those two experiences first, I have to shout out my publicist, Ariel of um, prime media group, Ariel Nicole. She's, she's amazing at what she does. And quickly, before I even talk about that, let me tell you about Ariel, because Ariel invited me to speak at an event once, her mommy's and mimosas event. I didn't know her. I didn't know her at all. And she wanted to meet after the event. And I really, at this point of not just October, I was taking so many meetings. I just didn't feel like meeting anybody because I was having meetings but they weren't going anywhere. So it's just like, man, I I could rather be spending time with my family or just relaxing on my off time from work instead of keep going to the mustard seed and meeting people. And and it's just not, it's not going anywhere like I would like it. So um, I did go meet Ariel and we just talked about not just October laid out a plan. She told me what she exactly does. I didn't even know what a publicist did, but now I do. And 
and she's been a total blessing of not just October. She's amazing. Look her up if you need publish this work. But anyway, um, Ariel reached out to the Steve Harvey show. She found out who one of the producers was and she pitches me, which is she sends all of my information, my accolades, things that I've done to the producers of TV shows and they read it over and then they decide if they want to, you know, bring me in that or uh, magazines decide if they want to write about me. So he sent my information to the producer of the Steve Harvey show. And I guess they were in awe of it. Like, wow, because it's kind of different, you know, a black, a young black man whose life is devoted to breast cancer. Like it's kind of, it's very rare, you know, it's a real outside of the box thing. So um, the producer ended up liking my story and we set up a, a call and I probably tell this story like one day, um, you know, to the president of the United States, like, yeah, when I got that call to be on Steve Harvey or have my conference call, I didn't even have Wi-Fi at the house, man. It was, it was messed up. My um, hot spot was all <laughs> fuzzy. So uh, I'm on the call just like this with the with the producer of the Steve Harvey show. And my Wi-Fi is like, <laughs> oh, um, she's like, LeVar, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. I'm like, oh. I'm like, please, please don't look down on me, but I got to call you right back. I sped down to McDonald's down the street like, and uh, used their Wi-Fi to go through the call. Uh, <laughs> she was real understanding. The call went really well. And then um, about two weeks later, RAL got a call from them, and they said that they want to book me for the show, you know. And no RAL called me, huh? I said, don't. Oh, yeah, it was amazing. You know, she called me and let me know I was just leaving my dad's house. First person I called to tell was my dad, then my wife. But mm -hmm. um, <laughs> yeah, so they booked the the show. I got to go out to California, and man, I was nervous, bro. <laughs> I was like so nervous in the back, and I was just going over what I had to say because, based upon conversations that you have with the producer, you kind of already know what you have to say when you're talking to Steve. Mm -hmm. So I'm just I keep going over what I have to say. I just keep going over, and I keep messing up. So, man, I, I prayed to God and I prayed to my mom and I said, look, like, I, I prayed for this. This is what I wanted. You know, I'm built for this. This is why I'm here. This is why I'm on earth. This is my purpose. So um, after that, I swear it's like something else just came over me. And now I'm doing it perfect, perfect, perfect. Mm -hmm. So I go out there. I do it with Steve. And um, he was he was nice. We like. We're not like best friends or anything now. We didn't talk a whole lot. He probably wouldn't <laughs> even recognize me if he saw me today. But, uh, you know, uh, we talked a little bit, then we did the segment, and then we talked a little bit more, and then it was over. You know, it was like, what, 20 minutes? But it was like one of the greatest 20 minutes of my life. Then, based upon that, someone who saw me on there, um, nice, nice girl from Cleveland named Patrice, she happened to be friends with Jennifer Williams of the Basketball Wives, and Jennifer needed an organization to honor at an event for her clothing company. And she told her about Not Just October, and Jennifer was feeling it. So randomly one day, I remember this day too, I was in Cleveland getting, or I was in Columbus. I drove to Columbus just to get this pizza, Giordano's. And um, so I'm in Columbus, and... Um, I get a call from Patrice, like, hey, Jennifer Williams of the Basketball Wives is about to call you. I'm like, what? Like, it was just so random. Right, right. <laughs> and uh, she called me. We had a good conversation, told me what day everything was, invited me out to go to L.A. So I'm back in L.A. 
this is like within the next month. So I'm thinking like, man, I'm I'm in LA like every month now. This is this is good. Yeah. So did that event, met all the basketball wives. They're all amazing. They're all just as beautiful as you expect in person. Um, met some other good people at the event too. That went well, made some relationships that are still continuous. So that's a good thing. And just trying to grow the organization, man. Every every outlet that I have, I'm I'm with it. Like if somebody calls me and you want to do any interview, you want to have an event, as long as it's legitimate, I'm there. I'm speaking wherever I can speak because this mission is bigger than me. It's it's big, it's just it's so important to me to spread this message, man. It's like all I'm about right now, not just October. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that man. Um that, that's that's actually very that's very impressive, you know, to continue to you know, take your opportunities and put yourself out there no matter what. You know, that's something that's something that I'm learning from you. You know what I'm saying? Is is the really the importance of putting myself out there no matter what, you know, because I I love what you just said, man. The mission is greater than than you as an individual. You know, this mission, um, you know, this podcast is greater than me. You know, I'm not I'm not on here just talking about my life. Um I'm interviewing and having conversations with other people because, you know, I really want to try to educate and activate other people's, you know, mindset, you know, so I, I definitely can, can, can appreciate um, that. Um, talk to us about, you know, just some more events that you have coming up, Any, anything that you want to, like, announce, anything that's kind of, like, just new on the horizon, anything that's just happened recently? Um, well, actually, no events, because right now you can't even be in yeah, a room with more than 10 people. You know, I, I go <laughs> right. live from my Not Just October page every once in a while, just giving people updates. Got some new apparel on the way. So once the Northside Marketplace opens up, I'm going to have a whole new set of clothing. So that'll be nice. And, you know, it's kind of funny. You know, um, one night I was on the phone with Ariel. I'm going to give you all a timetable. I was on the phone with Ariel on a Thursday night. So... You know, I told you guys that I rap, I, I freestyle, just playing around. I'm on the phone with her. And she says, wow, LeVar, like, that could be a good idea. I'm like, what? She said, a Not Just October song. I'm like, uh, I ain't really, like, rapped, rapped in a very out of retirement, man. <laughs> right. I'm like, I haven't really rapped in a long time. She said, no, I think, I think you could be big. Like, I would love to pitch that. Like, I'm like okay. She like, so just get a beat and, you know, try and record the song. So boom, that was Thursday. On Monday, I'm in the studio. I got a beat from my friend Ricky, grandma's boy. He made an um, awesome beat for me. I wrote the, wrote the whole song. I'm in the studio Monday, record the song, you know, and it, it came out better than I expected. I'm like, wow, this is this is kind of fire. I called right. my videographer like, um, I just made a, a new song. He say, okay, we can shoot on Saturday. Now, mm. Saturday, we record the video. Mm. So within basically like a week and a half, I have a brand new song and a video all about not just October that I'll be releasing on May 1st okay. on all streaming uh, platforms and the video. Okay. So I'm about to take this to the top, man. I don't know how far this is going to go, but... Ain't nothing wrong with it. Ain't nothing wrong with it as you, as you should, man. What about your, what about your, your you know, your, your dreams and goals that you hope for, for not just October specifically? Like, what do you, what do you want to see not just October at 10, 15 years from now? Well, one of my biggest goals is to have something called the Kim Jacobs Breast Cancer Resource Center, which okay. is a location where women who are battling can come learn about our um, services. There'll be a computer lab if they want to do some type of research about what they got going on or just need to print out some papers or anything like that. 
I want an oncologist on site, you know, someone who can donate time, maybe a couple hours a week, just to answer questions, nothing invasive or anything, you know, mm -hmm. have some type of therapy there, you know, somebody like you, you know, that can talk to people, good guy, you know what I'm saying? Um, just several different resources in one location that women can come to, have yeah. family nights. Like, I, I look at it as being a community a community center where other people can rent the space also and have events. Like, I want the first one to be in Akron, but that's not it because we're not done. I want them to be several of them across the United States. So mm -hmm. just um, trying to grow and change the world and help women as much as I can. I just want to do so much for them, man. I swear I'll spend my last dollar to make sure that these women are happy, man, because you just – once you – create tears of joy for one person, you know, it really changes you because I've done it for so many, like tears of joy. And I love when people be like, LeVar, I know your mom is proud of you, smiling down on you. I love when I, when people say that to me. So, you know, I'm just doing every single thing that I can. Um, and I'm going to leave a legacy. You know, my mom was 49 when she passed away and she left a legacy within me, but I don't think she got to make her full mark on the world. But um, through me, she will, because everybody's going to know who Kim Jacobs was, who her sons were, and, you know, what, what I'm doing in her honor and in her name. Like, so it's, it's going to be huge. I'm looking yeah. forward to it. Yeah, that's dope. Well, listen, man, we're going to end it there, man. Let, I want to I wanna send a special thank you to you, man. I really, I really appreciate it. Um, for you for you coming on, man, and really, you know, sitting down and talking with us today, man, especially during these crazy times. Um, once all this stuff come, you know, blows over, man, I want I want to have you come in, and we're gonna do this again, you know, and just talk about some different things, you know, for between fatherhood and just marriage and things like that. But we're gonna do right. it, you know, in, in in person, you know what I'm saying? So, um, but I appreciate you coming on, man. I think you're doing great work. Uh, like I said, I appreciate your message of just providing service to 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 women, um, and to families specifically, um, because I know you've done a lot of things for families as well, um, and I just want to just say thank thank you for that. Um, but before we get out of here, man, I got a few rapid questions that I want to ask you, um, prior to, to 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 us ending all together. So, um, the first one is, what are your intentions for twenty twenty? Um, I want to continue eliminating debt. Um, I want to come out of this pandemic in better shape than I went in. I have a new business that I want to start um, that includes investing. And I just want to, you know, um, continue to be a good father and husband. Yeah. What is the, what does the phrase live your purpose mean to you? Well, me, that means doing what you're on earth to do. And I always say, it's kind of crazy that my mother had to pass away for me to find my purpose in life. But now I'm definitely living in it. Mm, dope, dope. What is something about you that people would be surprised to know? That I be rapping. <laughs> they ain't going to be surprised <laughs> now, man. They're not gonna be surprised now. Oh, no. Nah. If you didn't know me back in the day, now you going to see this. It's like, what? <laughs> but uh, um, something else, I don't, I don't eat ugly potato chips. I don't eat ugly potato chips. That's, that's hilarious. That's real random, but that's, that's funny. I don't eat potato chips. All right, okay, we'll we'll give you that. Um, what what scares you? Um, not being a good father. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I can I understand that completely. Um, what is your favorite quote? Chances make champions. Chances make champions. Okay, and what is the best advice you ever received? 
Um, this guy named Don Don that rides the bus. You probably um, no Don Don. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, he rides the bus. You know, he's an eccentric guy. You know, yeah. most people probably ain't gonna take no advice from Don Don. But one day we were riding, and he told me he said, he said, uh, money got these people crazy in this world. He said, but it ain't. He said it ain't the money. It's the love of it. <laughs> and that just always stuck with me. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, money ain't evil, man. It's the people, what people will do to get it. Yeah, so, yeah, that's that's a fact. That's a scripture right there. That's that's a fact, man. It's the love. It's the love of money that's evil. Mm -hmm. um, so, so that's good, man. If you could pick up the phone and call your 20 year old self, knowing what you know today, what would you tell yourself? Invest in Amazon. Ha <laughs> no, that's that's real. That's 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 real. Put it all in Amazon. <laughs> you probably could have got some stock for like fifty bucks back then, man. 10, 10 hmm. years ago, there. So I, I feel I feel you hundred percent about that. Um, well, well, give us, man, give us your social media tags and every everything like that, man, so people can know where to find you. Uh, you can look me up at not just October on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. My name is Levar Jacobs on Facebook. You know, you can contact me anytime. Um, my phone number is 330-760-9956. Give me a call. You know, I'm here for women battling breast cancer, but I'm also really big on collaboration. So if you have some type of business or anything, you want to collaborate, let's do it. You know, I'm, I'm here. It's me all the time. Very, very dope, man. So the last, the last thing that we do, man, we, um, I, I, it's a way for me showing homage to one of my inspirations um, in the podcast space. Again, like you said earlier, you know, I love podcasts. I've been watching podcasts for some time now. Actually, one of my favorite ones was called the Now What Podcast with Arian Foster. Um, he's an ex-football ex player, ex-NFL player, um, and he now does some things creatively doing music and things like that. Um, but one thing that he would always do at the end of his episode is he would ask for his guests to lobby for Jim Carrey to come on his show. Jim Carrey was one of his most, like, just – influential and like you know interesting people you know so he would ask his guests to excuse me to uh to ask for jim carrey to come on the show um so one one way by paying homage is uh by asking my guests to lobby for arian foster to come on this show we're gonna put we're gonna manifest it and put it out there in the universe to one day really get him on the, the live your purpose podcast man so if you could look at your camera right now and ask and tell arian foster why he should be on the live your purpose podcast <laughs> Arian Foster, man, you should definitely come on the Live Your Purpose podcast. John is a good young man trying to do something good, good father, overall good guy in the community. You know, um, it will probably help him a lot, and it will also help you a lot because you'll um, be able to connect with such a good young man. So, Arian Foster, please take it out of your schedule. Get on Zoom with John John. Come over to Akron, Ohio. We'll show you a good time. You know, um, come be on the Live Your Purpose podcast. Yes, sir. That'll, that'll do it. Listen, with that being said, man, we're going to end it right there. Var, man, I appreciate you again. Again, another special shout out and prayers to everybody who's affected by COVID-19. Please stay safe. Practice social distancing. Wear your mask. If you do, got to go out and wash your damn hands. One love to everybody. Another episode. We are out.